Hey guys, and welcome to a new episode. This is your host, Mohammed Halaiba. Hopefully, studying is going well. And let's get started. What is the differential for carotid space tumor? So, the carotid space tumor differential is three carotid body tumor, neurofibroma, and schwannoma. Again, differential for carotid space tumor, carotid body tumor, neurofibroma, and schwannoma. Again, the differential for carotid space tumor is carotid body tumor, neurofibroma, and schwannoma. Key thing for carotid body tumor or carotid body paraganglioma is very vascular mass, shows avid enhancement, and flow voids in the tumor, particularly if it's greater than 2 centimeter. For schwannoma, on imaging, there is well-circumscribed mass, soft tissue density that demonstrate uniform enhancement on contrasted exam. Findings are also very similar for neurofibroma. The ability to distinguish neurofibroma from schwannoma depends on additional findings that would lead you to neurofibroma, which would be finding consistent with neurofibromatosis type 1. So multiple neurofibromas, then that would be the dif- that would guide you to where the pathology be in neurofibroma. Otherwise, it's very hard to distinguish between neurofibroma and schwannoma on imaging. Carotid body tumor has the characteristic salt and pepper appearance on MRI, intrapelvic displacement of the acetabulum and the femoral head, where the femoral head projects medial to the ischioiliac line. This is acetabular protrusion. Again, when the acetabulum and femoral head project medial to the ischioiliac line, this is acetabular protrusion. Imaging features of pseudomyxoma peritonei. Typically, what we see is lobulated ascites with slightly higher attenuation compared to the normal abdominal ascites between 5 and 20 Hounsfield unit. Scalloping of the hepatic margin is pathognomonic. Treatment option includes surgical resection and hyperthermic intraperitoneal chemotherapy, HIPEC. Imaging features of giant cell tumor. So, additional name for giant cell tumor is osteoclastoma. Typically, this is an epiphyseal lesion that starts at the metaphysis and cross a closed physeal line into the epiphysis. The average age of patient is between 20 to 40 years old. Again, we said this is an osteoclastoma, the additional name for giant cell tumor, and that's because there is, uh, on histology, it's similar appearance to osteoclast, and it is associated with osteoclast or bone destruction. Typically, this is a benign tumor, however, can be associated with Paget's disease and hyperparathyroidism. The common thing between Paget's disease and hyperparathyroidism is osteoclast activity, so there is bone destruction in both. So again, giant cell tumor associated with osteoclast overactivity or osteoclastoma, it's associated with Paget's disease and hyperparathyroidism. Typically, it starts at the metaphysis and crosses the closed physis into the epiphysis. Treatment for giant cell tumor or osteoclastoma is curatage or wide resection. Let's take it from the top, giant cell tumor or osteoclastoma. Typically, an epiphyseal lesion starts at the metaphysis but crosses a closed physis into the epiphysis. Age of patient is between 20 to 40 years old. There is activation of osteoclast and histology. It is similar appearance to osteoclast. So the giant cell tumor or the Giant cell, the multinucleated giant cell, is similar appearance to osteoclast. That's where the name osteoclastoma comes from. 
can be seen in association with Paget's disease and hyperparathyroidism. Treatment is curettage or wide resection. Imaging features of congenital pulmonary airway malformation or CPAM. So CPAM is classified into five groups starting from zero through four. We're not going to talk about type zero because it's extremely rare and involves the total lung and it is fatal. So type one is one or more large cyst, typically greater than two centimeter, and this is the most common form. Type two is multiple small cysts can be associated with renal agenesis. Type three, innumerable tiny, tiny cysts, which appear as a solid mass. And finally, type four, a single large cyst that is typically indistinguishable from cystic pleuropulmonary blastema. And this is cystic pleuropulmonary blastema is the most common primary childhood lung tumor. Again, congenital pulmonary airway malformation type zero through four, meaning five types. Type zero is very rare and lethal. Type one, one or more large cysts, typically greater than two centimeter, and this is the most common type. Type two is multiple small cysts associated with renal agenesis. Type three, innumerable tiny, tiny cysts that they appear like a solid mass. And finally, type four, a single large cyst indistinguishable from cystic pleuropulmonary blastoma. Differential for double bubble without distal gas. So the double bubble referring to here is gas in the stomach and gas in the proximal duodenum without any distal gas in the small bowel. Differential is very limited, is duodenal atresia. Now, double bubble with distal gas, meaning large amount of gas in the stomach and proximal duodenum with scattered areas of distal gas has a broader differential, including mid-gut valvulus, annular pancreas, and variants of duodenal atresia, including duodenal stenosis and duodenal web. Annular pancreas in the, is when the pancreas wraps around the duodenum. Again, double bubble without any distal gas is consistent with duodenal atresia. This typically presents very early in life within the first couple of days. Double bubble with distal gas, this can be Differential can include midgut valvulus, annular pancreas, and variants of duodenal atresia, including duodenal stenosis and duodenal web. While keeping all parameters the same, what is the effect of decreasing source-to-skin distance? So source-to-skin meaning we're bringing the skin or the patient closer to the x-ray tube or the source of the x-ray. The effect of that is to increase patient dose because the patient is closer to the x-ray source. Again, effect of decreasing source to skin distance while keeping everything the same will increase patient dose because the patient is closer to the x-ray source. Osteopoikolosis. So osteopoikolosis is a benign sclerosing dysplasia characterized by multiple periarticular bone islands. They don't have to be periarticular, but commonly periarticular, particularly in the hips and knees. They can involve the spine. They can be anywhere. So again, numerous sclerosing or numerous bone island in the bone is osteopoikolosis. Most common cause of lipohemarthrosis. So what is the most common cause of lipohemarthrosis? This is medial tibial plateau fracture. Again, medial tibial plateau fracture is the most common cause for lipohemarthrosis. And this is when we see the fat layering sign on a lateral radiograph of the knee, where we see blood and fat layering in the joint space. Very nerdy question. What is the color of the needle hub for 22 gauge needle? This is black hub 25 
gauge needle is blue hop and 30 gauge needle is pink and this is consistent with all the needles again 22 gauge is a black hop 25 is a blue hop 30 gauge is a pink hop bone scan findings associated with hypertrophic osteoarthropathy or otherwise known as hypertrophic pulmonary osteoarthropathy what we see is increased parallel lines along the cortex of the long bone with radio tracer uptake so linear lines of radio tracer uptake along the cortex of the long bones now while the name says hypertrophic pulmonary osteoarthropathy this can be seen typically with lung cancers and inflammatory bowel disease not only lung cancer imaging features of rheumatoid arthropathy so the key thing to know is rheumatoid arthropathy is non-bone forming osteoarthropathy so what we see is joint space loss symmetric joint space loss without extensive osteophytes we see periarticular osteopenia we see marginal erosions, which typically occurs in the intercapsular articular margin or known as the bare area. This is an area of bone just within the joint capsule that is not covered by a thick cartilage. So it's not exactly it's right outside the joint within the joint capsule, not covered with a lot of cartilage. That's where rheumatoid arthropathy will first start. We'll see soft tissue swelling. We'll see joint subluxation. Again, periarticular osteopenia diffuse symmetric joint space narrowing, marginal erosions, soft tissue swelling, and joint subluxation. Spinal manifestation of juvenile chronic arthritis. So juvenile chronic arthritis, this is arthritis in young children, particularly has pathognomic or pathognomonic clinical features, which starts with progressive fusion of the posterior vertebral element and squaring of the vertebral body. Apophyseal joint fusion is considered pathognomonic for juvenile chronic arthritis. The largest subgroup of JCT is Stell's disease. Again, classic features, apophyseal joint fusion, progressive fusion of the posterior vertebral element completely, not just the apophyseal joint, and squaring of the vertebral body. This is classic features of juvenile chronic arthritis. Size criteria for IPMN resection. So when IPMN, IPMN greater than 3 centimeters when they surgically remove it. And IPMN, just to summarize, typically seen in elderly men. There are two types, main duct and branch duct IPMN. Elderly people, when IPMN gets to three centimeter or greater, this is the size where it's excised. Differences between complete mole and partial mole. We'll start with the karyotype. A complete mole is 46 chromosomes. It's XX or XY, but commonly XX. Partial mole is 69 chromosome. So they got another uh, 43 pair, 23 pair added into the 46. So it's XXY or XYY. Again, complete mole is 46 chromosome. Partial mole is 69 chromosome. Then the differences start from there. Complete mole, the key thing to know is there is a higher risk of malignant transformation in a complete mole. In a partial mole, it's a very rare malignant transformation. Now, embryonic tissue or fetal tissue, they're absent in complete mole because it's completely a mole. It's not even close to a pregnancy. In a partial mole, there are some fetal tissue. Swelling of the villi and trophoblastic hyperplasia, both are diffuse in a complete mole and focal in a partial mole. Now, let's summarize the differences again. Partial mole is 69 chromosomes. There is a very rare 
risk of malignancy in a partial mole. There is embryonic tissue in a partial mole. And finally, swelling of the villi and trophoblastic hypertrophy. Hyperplasia is focal in a partial mole. A complete mole is a 46 chromosomes. There is a high risk or a higher risk of malignancy. There is no fetal tissue and swelling of the villi and trophoblastic hyperplasia is very diffuse in a complete mole. What is meningioangiomatosis? This is a benign hamartomus cortical, subcortical white matter lesion with leptomeningeal vascular malformation. So meningioangiomatosis, as the name sounds, meningi, meningio related to the meningi, and angiomatosis, vascular malformation. So hamartomus cortical and subcortical white matter, leptomeningeal vascular malformation is meningioangiomatosis. Last question for today, fluid fluid levels in bone MRI is associated with what diagnosis? Again, what is the differential for fluid fluid level on bone MRI? So we'll start with a simple bone cyst, otherwise known as unicameral bone cyst, aneurysmal bone cyst, giant cell tumor, and telangiectatic osteosarcoma. Again, start from the most benign to the most malignant. We'll start with a simple bone cyst or a unicameral bone cyst, aneurysmal bone cyst, giant cell tumor, and finally, telangiectatic osteosarcoma. Let's repeat them again. Fluid fluid level in bone MRI is associated or can be seen in a simple bone cyst or a unicameral bone cyst, aneurysmal bone cyst, giant cell tumor, and telangiectatic osteosarcoma.